You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, May 27th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. A lot to get into, my man. Let's start with, should the Big Ten eliminate divisions? And if they do eliminate divisions, like how would that go? And just your overall thoughts on whether the Big Ten should eliminate divisions and if they will. I definitely think they should eliminate the divisions. There's an imbalance right now with the Big Ten East. Um, you look at, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. If any of those teams were sent over to the the Western Division, those guys, one of those teams will probably win it. And if you look at the Big Ten Championship, the Big Ten West has never uh, won a Big Ten Championship in Indy. So to me, I think it would be huge for the Big Ten Conference to really shake up the scheduling. Um, I know they were looking at a a three-game lock, meaning that each team will have three games that will be automatic on their schedule. For Ohio State, I suspect it would be Michigan, uh, Penn State, maybe at Michigan State. You can even make an argument for Purdue, Indiana, or uh, Illinois for the Illinois – what's it called, the Illibuck Trophy? Yeah, the um, Illabuck, yes, the turtle. Yeah. The, yeah. the turtle, the Illabuck yeah. trophy. They haven't played each other for several years now, but I would be all in favor for the Big Ten Conference going ahead and doing some realignment. And I think by doing that, it will also give you the opportunity, once they do expand the playoff, to get multiple teams in there because you're going to have your two best teams at the end of the year playing each other. Yes, I know a lot of people say, I don't like it because it could be a rematch with Michigan. But in my eyes, I'm all for uh, getting a second swing of the bat at Michigan just so that if something happens, you know, with, with Ohio State has that slip up, they'll get the opportunity to right that ship again. All right, we're going to bounce around. All right, next one. Um, so with Marcus Crowley, unfortunately, having to retire from football, hate that stuff. We've had two guys retire from football um, this spring uh, for different reasons. Obviously, Harry Miller, um, who's now doing great things, you know, with with mental health and helping other people out, but still is going through it himself. Um, you know, our hearts go out to Harry Miller and everything he's doing. And Marcus Crowley with uh, another serious knee injury. He's retired from football. So the Buckeyes are now one under the scholarship limit. And I talked about this a lot on Wednesday's show, Jonah. Um so they're one under in my mind, they're basically two under because I cannot imagine they're going to have three scholarship kickers on the roster. So I think they need to add one or two guys from the portal, an offensive lineman and a corner. I love the top six corners, even though two of them are true freshmen, but you only have six scholarship corners on the entire roster. We've never seen that. And we all know depth on the offensive line is an issue. I'd like to see them add an offensive lineman and a corner 
not studs necessarily, although I wouldn't mind a stud, but just for depth purposes, what are your thoughts on if the Buckeyes will or should add one or two players from the portal this summer? I definitely think they should be um, searching high and low, trying to turn over every rock. It doesn't make sense to go into the season under your 85 limit. As you mentioned, it you know, not many schools are going to have three scholarship kickers there. So essentially you have two, two open spots to go find somebody. I would definitely love to see them add some offensive depth there, preferably a tackle, um, even if it's going to be someone who may not start this year, but at least give you a tackle that's going to be able to compete in the spring and provide some depth because you're probably going to lose both of your tackles uh, after this year to the NFL draft. And corner, I know you mentioned having six. I'm not too concerned about that. Fingers crossed that they can stay healthy. In my mind, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sad if they went and got two offensive alignment from the transfer portal just for the simple fact that Debt is always going to be an issue uh, for the first couple of years when you have a new offensive line coach coming in and you're essentially having to clean up the mess that Stud left with missing on a lot of his top target. All right, so now I'm just going to um, kind of just like poach topics that you did on your spaces yesterday. You had some great guests on your spaces yesterday, by the way. You do a great job with that. Um, uh, we had a lot of fun yesterday on spaces on Twitter, um, talking some Ohio state football. I, I'm seriously going to steal some of your topics though. So you talked about big noon kickoff and if that's affecting the environment at Ohio stadium, you can discuss that, but just overall, what are your thoughts on Fox and the big noon kickoff? Cause obviously Ohio state, as we all know, is the marquee program. So, you know, what do we have about four games at least per year that are the big noon kickoff on Fox? Your thoughts overall on that? Does it help? Does it hurt? What are your thoughts on big noon kickoff as it thanks to Ohio State? Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the big noon kickoff at all. Um, I just look at it as a situation where um, Fox is taking advantage of Ohio State and the brand. They look at Ohio State and said they are the cash cows, and those guys are going to bring ratings in regardless. I always tell people it could be 2 a.m. in the morning, and Ohio State are going to bring ratings over to Fox. So we've we've done our due diligence with them when it comes to uh, making sure that we carry the banner for them. And I will say this, Dave, the atmosphere at Ohio State has been a major complaint amongst people for several years now, and a lot of people are pointing to Fox and saying the noon kickoff um, just isn't really helping the Ohio State environment. I'm just so fired up that this year they get the 730 kickoff against Notre Dame. It's going to be electric. You're always going to have the Michigan game at noon, but at the end of the day, I, I believe it's a, a big money grab because Fox, are, they're going to have the rights to the Big Ten in the Big Ten Network after this new deal. They're talking about, you know, over a billion dollars. So I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but I just would like to see more teams in the conference get the opportunity. I did. I ran the numbers uh, several months ago, and it was something along the lines that Ohio State and Michigan, between those two teams, have pretty much tripled the amount of games of the next Big Ten teams when it came to how many times they've been on big noon kickoff. So Ohio State and Michigan, they've been carrying the water for that. And they always love to point to, hey, it's been a ratings boom. It's been a ratings success. 
But at the same time, I believe it's been a detriment to Ohio State, especially getting primetime recruits from out of state on campus. You look at, you know, Sammy Brown, the number one linebacker in the country out of Georgia. His family will be able to make it up to uh, Columbus for the Notre Dame game. They wouldn't have been able to make it up there if it was a noon kickoff. So with Ohio State being a national brand, recruiting down south, recruiting out west, those noon kickoffs are a major, major deterrent with getting those kids up to campus because it's only it's impossible to get those kids turned around from a Friday night lights football game right back in the car driving to Columbus to make a noon kickoff. I agree with you 100%. Very well said. All right, another topic I'm stealing from you. We had a nice little debate on your spaces yesterday. Marvin Harrison Jr., I thought I was like the president of his fan club. Apparently not. Um, uh, by the way, I mean, I, I thought um, maybe I was the – by the way, the, the banner is wrong there. Let me edit this real quick. I, he's not going to get 12,000 um, receiving yards this year. But 1,200 uh, receiving yards for Marvin Harrison Jr. this year. Um, I went under on that on your spaces. Over under 1,200 receiving yards for Marvin Harrison Jr. Here's my reason, even though I'm a Marvin Harrison Jr. stan, is because Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to like get like 1,600 at least, maybe 1,800. They're going to run the ball, and they got three really good running backs. They've also got Emeka Ibuka, who I think is going to barely get over 1,000 receiving yards. I definitely think Harrison's going to get over 1,000, but I'm going to put him just under 1,200. I'm kind of splitting hairs there. I'm saying definitely over 1,000, but under 1,200. I know I'm splitting hairs. Um, I'll go over eight touchdowns, but under 1,200 receiving yards for Marvin Harrison Jr. And definitely under 12,000 receiving yards for Marvin Harrison Jr., as I put on the banner earlier. Uh, your thoughts, over under 1,200 receiving yards for Marvin Harrison Jr. this year, Jay Book. Yeah, it, it was funny on the spaces because, you know, I asked all you guys and we had a couple people who were in there as um, speakers and it was kind of split in between. Some people said over, some people said under. I'm an over guy and here's why. I think early on, the strategy for most teams, they're going to look at Jackson Smith and Jigba and they're going to try to coverage him. They're going to try to say, hey, let these other guys prove that they can actually beat us and they can actually play at a prime time level. So if Smith and Jigba is bringing in double coverage and bracket coverage, to me, that's going to leave Marvin Harrison Jr. one-on-one on the outside. And I just think that that's going to open up an opportunity for him to be peppered with a significant amount of targets early on. Now, once things teams start to realize that he's a major threat, then they're going to have to really focus his attention and it's going to open up for JSN. So to me, I just think at that point, you'll get back to the the multi-dimensional wide receiver threats that you've been seeing for the last couple of years because the problem with trying to guard Ohio State these last several years is you had Olave, you had Wilson, you had JSN. You can't double one person because each one of those guys have proven to be a legit threat. Early on, everybody's going to be eyeballs on JSN and that's going to give Marvin the opportunity to really shine there you go um I finally got the banner right how about that um just in time for us to move on to this Jay book is Ohio State handling name image and likeness correctly and I know it's it's a tough topic because 
We don't even really know what the rules are. Are there any rules? Could there be retroactively penalties for certain programs that are going overboard here? We talk about this on your spaces as well. I feel like, as you know, in the long term and even in the short term, I'm not worried about it. I think Ohio State, you know, they're not being super aggressive in terms of recruits, but neither is Alabama. And I feel like Ohio State, um, if I had to bet, I think we're going to look back on it where name, image, and likeness of anything helps Ohio State. But right now, in your opinion, is Ohio State handling the NIL situation correctly? I think they're handling as best as they can. And I say that because Ryan Day on, on 97 won the fan. Um, he talked about name, image, and likeness. And one of the things that he was saying was they don't want to be the one that's out front because that can bring some trouble, some scrutiny. But you also don't want to be far behind and because at that point you're going to start missing out on some of the top-end recruits. So basically what they are trying to do is kind of walk that tightrope and not necessarily be the pioneers and out there you know, with names in the headlines because they're giving out a million a month or uh, I'm sorry, a million a year you know, to, uh, with, with, with some of these recruits um, like Tennessee or Florida or Texas A&M. But I think they're in a good spot. I would like to see them start uh, ramping up the amount because, you know, we talked about it on the spaces with the rumors out there with Carnell Tate is that Tennessee's offering um, 110000 a month. Ohio State's in the ballpark of about 35000 so that right there is going to weigh heavily on on a big time prospect like that. You know, do I take that extra three million over three years, or do I look at Ohio State? I'm still going to be getting a, a nice chunk of change, but at the same time, Ohio State has proven to be able to develop their wide receivers and get them to the NFL and get them into the first round, which that's going to be a twenty million dollar guarantee first year contract. All right, so. Brian Hartline, I did a story for the site yesterday quoting Ryan Day, the interview that you mentioned from 97.1 The Fan, um, with Ryan Day's thoughts on name, image, and likeness and what the Buckeyes are doing. Um, I also threw in some quotes very interestingly from Brian Hartline talking about it. He says, and he's adamant about this, he mentioned the word guardrails like 10 times, I think. I'm not even exaggerating. Um, and like, you know, about a two minute span and he says there has to be guardrails eventually. And I agree with that. You and I have talked about this and we can laugh at it like, Oh, the NCAA is toothless. But when a lot of powerful people want the same thing, things tend to happen. It seems like a lot of powerful people want the same thing here. Can guardrails regulations, whatever word you want to use happen and how can they happen? JB? I, I actually don't think that they can. And the simple fact is because you look at the NFL, the NFL has guardrails because they have the players, you know, association and they go through, you know, their their negotiation and they set those guardrails and contracts and how much a, a rookie can make with the with college football. Each state is different. So the NCAA, they can't regulate this because if they try to say, hey, this kid can't get any money out of high school then they're just going to get sued. The NC Barry Alvarez, I was reading, he spoke about this coming out of, you know, the, the coaches and uh, football meetings that was out here in Arizona. And Barry Alvarez said, basically, they are having to push and prod the, the NCAA to do anything because the NCAA is scared to death. 
of being sued again. And Barry basically said, we've told him you're going to get sued. No matter what you do, you're going to get sued. So just go ahead and try to do something in order to try to regulate this or please put in some type of guardrails. But I just do not see the NCAA um, doing anything. And I believe it was Heather Dennis or someone who was on uh, College Football XM. And they basically said the NCAA has pretty much trimmed down their enforcement staff to maybe like 15, 16, 17 people, where it used to be a whole army of those guys. So they're they're running on fumes there. They do not have the bandwidth to go out and try to regulate this. Uh, one, because they don't have the staffing. Two, they're afraid uh, to be sued. And three, if you try to tr put any type of guardrails, like putting a cap on how much a player can make, it's just going to go to the Supreme Court and they're going to rule it in litigation that is unconstitutional to say this kid can only make X amount of dollars off their name, image, and likeness. Great wisdom, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you, Jay Book. Thank you to all the listeners out there. We appreciate you guys tuning in very much. takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.